Thank you, choir and orchestra. You have not only helped us to celebrate our freedom, you have given us something to pray about, something to pray for. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. And for five weeks, we're looking at ideas, relationship principles, which affect us outside the home. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And last, year we sp last week we spoke of submission, but today we're looking at the concept of honor. A husband is to honor his wife to treat her as if she is a fragile vase, to know her well enough to know her weaknesses so that he can make her strong with his strengths. Now, the idea of honor is all throughout 1 Peter. He's dealing with how we handle suffering in the kind of age in which the first century Christians lived. But in that process, he states that one of the reasons why we're able to live in submission to God and to the circumstances around us is that we learn how to honor people and ideas and things. Note chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Honor the king. Then in chapter 3, verse 7, honor your wives. The concept of learning how to honor or to give honor is a most significant concept. The word is tamao, which means literally to give weight to or to assign weight to. It is to learn how to honor my wife by because I honor God. Learning how to honor my children because I honor God. Learning how to honor my brothers and sisters in Christ because I honor God. It is learning how to honor my governor because I honor God. In fact, Paul states it this way, both in 1 Thessalonians 5 and in, in uh, 1 Timothy. He says that we should honor the pastor even because of his work's sake. And that's the concept. I don't necessarily honor the pastor because I always agree with him. I honor him because he's a God called. I don't always honor the governor because I always agree with him, but I honor him because of his position. I don't always honor the president because I always agree with him. I honor him because of his position. And the concept of honor is being lost in America, and it is reflected in two ways. In common life, it is reflected in the loss of courtesy and civility in public and private affairs. We just don't treat each other with much respect. But the concept of honor is significant in terms of our country because of this. In the Old Testament tradition, wherever the people ceased honoring God, and did not honor God by keeping his commandments. God took their freedoms from them. Read the prophets. Read Jeremiah. If you do not honor me, 
a foreign nation will come in and take you captive. And when finally the Chaldean and the Babylonian captivity of 70 years was instituted, Judah still could not understand they had gone into captivity because they had not honored God. And the absence of freedom in the Old Testament was always an indication of God's judgment on the land. By the way, it is still true today. That is the practical explanation for the nation that honors the Lord shall be honored of God. Uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And it works this way. When a nation does not honor God and morality is broken down, the reaction of men is to put more laws on society and even create conditions for a tyrant. So that what happens when we try to practice moral freedom and think we can disregard God and not honor Him morally and ethically, we end up losing our freedoms because the natural reaction of human nature when, when, when uh, the practice of morality gets out of hand is to tighten things down. If you don't believe that, ask anybody who lived in Hitler's Germany. So the loss of freedom before God and before man is, is the result of a failure to honor. My grandfather, my great-grandfather came to this country because he wanted to marry the geese keeper's daughter in Germany. And his father told him that because he was a, a wealthy landowner, he could not have his child marry the daughter of the geese keeper. True story. So he gave him $500 to come to America where you can marry anybody you want. Amen? Amen. Uh, where you have a chance to improve your lot in life no matter where you start. And my grandfather came to this country, and the only thing he knew how to do was to butcher meat. And uh, from the Midwest, the, the uh, slaughterhouses were waiting at the docks of New York to pick up immigrants who knew how to do this or that. Shirley's grandmother came from Hungary when she was 15, and the Rockefellers were looking for Hungarian cooks because they are such wonderful cooks. Amen? How many of you like chicken paprikash? Okay, well, you like goulash. Everybody likes goulash. And so her grandmother, the wonderful cook she was, came and started cooking for John D. Rockefeller's home. True story. Now, if my grand great-grandfather were here today, I would have to say to him, great-grandfather, there are some changes that have come about in this country. I'm not sure you would like it. I'm not even sure you would want to choose to come here today. Last year, we had some men blow up a federal building and kill 168 people. I'm not sure they know how to honor people. A mother in South Carolina killed her two sons because they interfered with her boyfriend's relationship. Just three months ago, a fourth grader in St. Louis punched and beat his teacher and she died. He didn't know how to honor anybody. In our country, it's common today, great-grandfather, for crack cocaine use, drive-by shootings. We're now helping people take their own lives, partial birth abortions with a pair of scissors, video poker, trashy talk shows that only talk about the worst going on around us, shock radio, 
sue everybody for everything, sexual abuse, grandparents who have to raise their children because of the effect of drugs. Children cannot even raise their own children. The abnormal has become normal. Imagine this, great-grandfather, in this country, a vice president in 1992 even said that it probably was a good idea to have a mother and father in the home. And everybody laughed at him and made fun of him and trashed him on television. Can you imagine that? And then we had a sports hero who contracted HIV because it was said, and he admitted, that he'd had sex with several hundred women. And we all felt sorry for him, and our country hailed him as a hero. That's where our country is today, great-grandfather. Would you still want to come to this country? As sin abounds, I tell you, it is a breeding ground to overreact and take away freedoms and restrict everybody in order to make us good. That is why we pray, Lord, have mercy on this country. God, give us a moral and ethical revival because freedom is attached to the morality of a country. And when you start the moral decline, all sorts of walls are built between people. Ted Turner was named Time Magazine Man of the Year in 1992. And if you remember the article, he literally trashed Christianity and the churches of America. And then we wonder why black and white churches are being burned all over this nation. And the reaction may well be a loss of freedom. My purpose is to show you how the loss of freedom is tied to the ethical and moral standards of any people and of any nation. Primarily, what all of these things have told us is that we have lost our capacity to honor God, honor the country, and honor each other. There are four things I think that this word means, to honor. First, to honor is to reverence. It is to reverence. It is to give appropriate respect. That's what it means to honor. When I honor my wife, I give appropriate respect to her by opening the car door at least 50% of the time. 48%? 48% of the time. I honor her. I honor uh, we honor Don Mann by paying respect to Don and Diane today for their obedience to the call and the will of God. So to honor is to give reverence. I reverence the governor. I reverence the president. Even when I don't always agree with them, I give honor to them and I give appropriate respect. Sometimes we reverence an idea. Or a truth. The concept of honoring is a truth of God. The concept, for instance, of, of America. You, how do you grab it? Can you put it in a flag? No. It is a truth that is larger than any one of us. Take many of the truths of the Word of God. The concept of the resurrection, which makes suffering worthwhile. How would we ever know the victory of God in resurrection if we were never sick? We would never die. We'd never experience the triumph of the resurrection. The story is told of a pastor who was preaching a funeral, and he went on and on and waxed long and long and long. 
Finally, his associate pulled on his coat and said, listen, you've already been an hour and 15 minutes. And the pastor turned around and said, yeah, but this is the doctrine of the resurrection and it's important. And his associate said, yeah, if you don't get through with this service and get this man to the cemetery and get him buried, he's going to miss the resurrection. We honor an idea. We give appropriate respect to the truth of God. We honor God by honoring His word and His commandments. Secondly, to honor is to acknowledge. To give appropriate recognition. Now, in Malachi, we have an explanation of what it means to give honor as reverence in Malachi 1.6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? God says, you owe this to me. But then if you go on and read, we owe the same thing to other people, which is why he accuses them of stealing from the poor and of stealing wages that belong to the workers. A man who learns how to honor God will learn how to honor his wife. A man who learns how to honor God will learn how to honor the government. And a man who learns how to honor God will learn how to honor his children. And he'll learn how to honor the truth of God. In Romans, Paul explains it this way. He says, look, after he challenges us to lay our lives down as a sacrifice in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. I am to give preference. To acknowledge is to give preference to my brother in Christ. And I honor you when I acknowledge you. I dishonor you when I ignore you. Now, I admit sometimes that's a tough thing for me when I greet people in the hall. And... uh, Somebody has come by and you will come and stand and you want me. And if I just look at you, you jump into the conversation and take it over from the person I'm already talking to. So if I do that, it's not to dishonor you. I'm trying to honor the person I'm talking to. Do you understand what I just said? You don't understand. Okay, you do understand. And we honor when we give recognition. That is why we introduce politicians when they come to the church. That is why we introduce people sometimes who have special honor because to honor is to reverence and to honor is to acknowledge. The third thing it means to honor is to pay tribute. It is to give appropriate tribute. Turn to Romans 13, 7 and listen to what Paul says about honoring. After a discussion, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities For there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. By the way, if you think you're going to change this country by changing the leaders, let me remind you, God is in charge of the leaders, and God is in charge of this country, and God is in charge of Boris Yeltsin, and God is in charge of Levitt, and you don't change the country just by changing the leaders, because who raises up the leaders, folks? God raises them up and puts them down. Amen? And my trust is not in any political party or in any leader. I've tried that. They've let me down. My trust is in God. And God alone. So I pay tribute. Verse 7. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. There it is. I'm to render honor to whom honor is due. 
I'm to render to God the things that are His. A tithe is the Lord's. It's not yours to choose. I, I trust the church, the body of Christ with mine. In fact, Malachi said, you rob me when you don't give your tithes. You don't honor me. You don't, you're not honoring God. So we, I love to pay. Don't you just love to pay taxes? You know, there's one thing I like about paying taxes. When it's done, it's done. That's the only thing I like. Is that the way you feel about it? How many feel the same way? The only reason I like to pay taxes is when it's done, it's done. Because sooner or later, you're going to pay them. Amen? If you have it, you will. Or we'll be visiting you in jail. I'll bring you a chicken salad sandwich. So we're commanded to give appropriate tribute. I am to man, uh, commanded to honor somebody who's honored in this, in this body. And that's the way we honor, is to pay tribute to somebody. Uh, so I honor Carl Warner when I pay tribute to what God is doing in his life. Two years ago, they told him he wouldn't make it. And look at him. You still doing all right, Carl? Look at you. You look fine to me. I believe you're moving over there, aren't you? And the doctor said, not a chance. But God did a work in his life. Fourthly, to honor is to consider. To honor is to consider. To give appropriate consideration. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and listen to what this means. I think that's what's behind honoring moms and dads. I love that little story about, true story about Bear Bryant, the former coach at, uh, at Alabama, was doing a commercial for Southern Bell. And at the end of the commercial, he was to say, why don't you go call your mama today? And extemporaneously, he said, I wish I could call mine. And they caught that on the camera. And it was so touching and moving, they included that in the commercial. And uh, here it is in chapter 6, verse 1. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Meaning, because you honor God, you obey your parents. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. It is to give appropriate consideration. There it is. Honor your father and mother. You always think of them. Go call, did you call them July 4th? How many of you called your mom July 4th? How many called your dad July 4th, huh? And you didn't call collect. Did you call your family? Did you call your children? Every holiday to honor costs me money. You ought to see my phone bill. To honor my children is expensive, right? And when you get another one up in Appalachian, it's going to cost you more money to honor him. Calling up there. But to honor is to consider, and it is to consider that person you're honoring. I tell you the truth. I believe that the law of reciprocal honor is hardly ever taught anymore, and that's one reason why we don't honor as well as we ought to. Hold your hand here and go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. In this story, God is about to call Samuel, the son of Hannah and Elkanah. Eli is the priest, but in chapter 2, verse, 13, uh, verse 12, the sons of Eli were corrupt. These are the preacher's kids. They did not know the Lord. Of course, you know why the preacher's kids are so mean. They spend all that time with the deacon's kids. That's why they're always in trouble. And all the deacons said... <laughs> <laughs> Not a response. 
but they were corrupt. Read verse 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. What they were doing is taking the best meat brought to the tabernacle for sacrifice. And in chapter 3, before it could even be offered to God, they stole from God. And in chapter 3, verse 13, God said, I've told Eli I'm going to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. His sons made themselves vile, and he did nothing to restrain them. In the middle of that, God offers an explanation. Chapter 2, verse 29, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my habitation? And why do you get this now? Serious question, parents. Why do you honor your sons more than you honor me? Why do you do more for your children than you do for me? To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. I am not preaching a simple religion, but I am preaching a simple principle. When I honor God, God honors me. When a nation honors God, God honors that nation. When a home honors God, God honors that home. It's not a matter of earning. It is a matter of putting yourself into a position where God can pour out and trust you with his blessing. It's called the law of reciprocal honor. When I honor my wife, she will honor me as husband. And if I want more honor from her, guess what I must do? I must honor her. I must honor her. If I want more honor from my children, guess what I must do? I must honor my children. A nation must honor the Lord. From Grimm's fairy tales came a, comes a, an interesting little story. There was a young couple one time, and the father of the husband was growing old, and the husband and wife took him into the home. They had a four-year-old son, and the old man was shaky with his utensils. And when he ate, he spread food all over everywhere and made a terrible mess. And it was so messy one day that his daughter-in-law said to him, Old man, you're messing up our dinner tables. And because you are so messy, I'm going to put you over in the corner and give you a bowl and you can eat by yourself. And the old man, shaky of hand, shaky of spoon and fork, dropping food all around him in the corner, and one day finally dropped his earthen bowl she had given him from which to eat. And the food spread everywhere, and once again his daughter-in-law said to him, all right, if you're going to eat like a pig, I'm going to treat you like a pig. And she made him a little wooden miniature trough and just threw all of his food into the trough with no utensils. And every meal they put the old man in the corner to pick up his food with his hands try to eat. And then one day they saw the little four-year-old boy with some pieces of wood and he was trying to put them together. And his father said to him, Son, what are you making? Oh, he said, Daddy, I'm making a little pig's trough so you and Mother will have something to eat out of when you get old. Then that honor me, God says, I will honor. 
It is the law of reciprocal honor. I believe that the capacity to give honor, to give reverence, to acknowledge, to pay tribute, to give consideration, I believe that capacity is the glue that holds a family together. And where it's lost, you have a desperate situation, and we ask ourselves, how can I make this 15-year-old behave? If the mother and the father don't provide for her, then they're liable, but she does whatever she wants. She hits her parents. She despises them, ignores their rules, but there's not a thing they can do because a family is held together by an invisible glue called honor. A, a country is held together. I believe that's how this country got started. 220 years ago, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, these 13 colonies with diverse competing interests were only held together because of the capacity to honor a leader. That's what held them together. And if we lose that, we've lost something in America that no other country has. Let me suggest to you, let me give you three quotes. Listen carefully. This comes from William Grayson, member of the Constitutional Convention from Virginia. Quote, were it not for one great character, Washington, in America, George Washington, so many men would not be for this government. We do not fear while he lives, but who besides him can concentrate the confidence and affection of all Americans? He is saying the reason the 13 colonies were able to hold together and agree even on the Declaration of Independence was the fact that there was one man that all of them mutually honored. Next, from James Monroe, quote, Be assured Washington's influence carried this government, end of quote. And George Bancroft, whose book on his, the history of the United States is so detailed in the last of the 18th century said this, quote, the country was an instrument with 13 strings and the only master who could bring out all their harmonious thought was George Washington. Had the idea prevailed that he would not accept the presidency, it would have proved fatal to the cause of independence. Fascinating. It is the capacity to honor that gave this country its start in life. And it is still the capacity to honor God by showing respect for his moral laws, which holds this country together today. And you can apply honor right on down the line, any way you want to. A British officer told the story of how one day he saw a French officer in the middle of a battle heading towards the British troops. And behind him was a figure, he said, with a very commanding bearing, sitting tall astride his horse. And he had a cocked hat on his head. And the British officer said, I gave the order to shoot both of them. And three men went out to find a place to ambush because they were within 30 yards of our troops. And he said, for some reason, as I looked at that man, I said, the way he carries himself, the way he holds himself, 
I must not kill that man. And I recalled the order for the strangest of reasons. And the next day, he said, in one of our hospitals, the surgeons were treating some of the rebel officers. And they told us that a French officer had scouted our lines and that he was accompanied by no less than George Washington himself. And the man's last word, the British officer said, was, I'm glad now that I didn't know who it was. I am glad because he had such respect for George Washington that even the British would not have killed him. And if they had killed him, who would have been the figure around which the independence would have been declared and the 13 colonies would have honored? I tell you, folks, honor is essential to our freedom. Honoring each other, honoring our husbands and wives, honoring our parents, honoring our children, honoring our elected authorities, and thus honoring God. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Whoever honors the Father honors the whom? Class, do you remember? Honors the Son. And we show our honor for God by honoring Jesus Christ who went to the cross to die for our sins. It is he who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this truth of honoring the truth of honoring in relationships, of honoring God and honoring our president, honoring this country, that truth must not die. Who is preaching that truth today if it's not being done by the church? After the first service, a man came by and said, Did you see the adjutant general of the Marines has now added a course on morality to basic training for Marines? because they're not learning it anywhere else. I feel, Dean, like singing, Lord, have mercy on us all over again. Let me honor the truth of honoring. God's truth has a purpose in society. I close. It's a fascinating little story to me. There's a man by the name of Borja who is the president of Ecuador. He was a political prisoner for a long time. Several years ago, Chuck Colson took representatives of the prison fellowship ministry to Ecuador to talk to the president about opening up that ministry in the prisons of Ecuador. And he was trying to make the point of how important it is to get the word of God into the prisons so that these men in darkness imprisoned for whatever reason, could have the light of God's truth. And Borja interrupted him and said, wait a minute, I can illustrate that better than you. He said, for seven years, I was a political prisoner put in solitary confinement with no light of any kind. And one day in the darkness, I heard a key slip into my cell door. Under the cover of darkness, I heard the door open ever so slowly. Somebody crept into my cell under the cover of darkness. I heard some manipulation on the other side of the cell. And just as suddenly, I noticed that presence was leaving my cell. 
the door was pushed shut, the key was turned. And then in just a few minutes, suddenly, a light bulb came on in my cell, and I had light. Somebody had had mercy on me and had given me light in my darkness and my bondage. You don't have to convince me, Mr. Colson, of the importance of light in the prisons of truth. I know the meaning of light. And I would pray that all across America, the light of God's truth, whether it's loving submitting or honoring would not only be talked about but practiced in our homes so our children will know how to do it. Uh, learning how to honor God, honor country, honor Christ, that that would spread like light in a dark world that is gradually trying to snuff out truth and let every man be his own truth. God help us. Let us honor God by honoring his truth. And if you've never received Christ, the way you honor God is to honor his son. Christ went to the cross to die for your sin and invite you to come to salvation and repentance and trust him as Savior and Lord. Would you stand with me in prayer? Father, speak to every one of us and work in us what you want to work, that we might be more like you and more in step with what you're doing in this world. In Jesus' name.